you're an American citizen, maybe you feel a little bit silly right now, like a chump. If you came here legally, if you are here legally, look at the kind of money they're throwing around at people, potentially, who came here illegally. The Biden administration actually considering this plan of offering $450,000 to each separated person, an average of $1 million per family, 940 families reportedly filed claims so far, eligible for families separated in 2017 and 2018. This is actually part of a settlement that may happen between the Biden administration and certain left-wing groups, and this would be the compensation package. Look, it's really an effort to damage the legacy of Donald Trump. I think that's the goal here. Uh, the reaction, understandably, this is an insulting idea. Take a look. I mean, look at the discrepancies we're talking about. Military families get $50,000 less in payments after a service member dies while on active duty. It's disgusting. Those who break the law should not be getting better treatment than our service members. Next, paying $450,000 to separated illegal migrant families will incentivize not only more illegal crossings, but abandonment of children at the border. It's encouraging child trafficking. Also, from Tom Cotton, it is unthinkable to pay a burglar who broke into your home for the psychological trauma they endured during the crime. Makes a lot of sense. How about this, Kevin McCarthy? It is a slap in the face to our law-abiding citizens who wake up, go to work, and pay their taxes. And finally, from Steve Womack, President Biden wants to send the IRS to surveil your bank account while cutting checks with your money to people who've broken our laws. This is really crazy stuff, but um, we've been here before. Actually, some of this, what's happening right now in America, reminds me of the crazy mass murderer, Charlie Manson. He killed or orchestrated the killing of families in California in 1969. It was such a wild case. Now, it was called Helter Skelter. That was Charlie Manson's idea to start a race war. Totally insane, but this crime was so gruesome, he thought in his deranged mind that somehow the African-American community would be blamed and it would erupt a race war. That's crazy stuff, but you know what? We're kind of feeling a little bit the same vibe lately. This country had racial harmony not very long ago, all right? Actually, I was one of those people in 2009. I thought it was beautiful. First African-American president, 2013. Twice this country has elected a black person president. And, you know, um, I was not into Obama, all right? <laughs> I was fooled the first time, not the second time. But wasn't he supposed to be the first post-racial president, something like that? And now look at where we are. I mean, sick, vile stuff every day in our public space. And the radical, weird stuff, that's where, believe it or not, that's where they want the center to be right now. This is a tenured professor, a no kidding, fully tenured professor at Rutgers University. May sound crazy, but she speaks for so many. And be careful when you criticize her. I think that white people are committed to being villains in the aggregate. The thing I want to say to you is we got to take these out. That's the thing that white people don't trust us to do because they are so corrupt. You know, their thinking is so morally and spiritually bankrupt about power. Whiteness is going to have an end date because it it is not, despite what white people think of themselves, they do not defy the laws of eternity, right? So it's not just some crazy person. This is where we are. 
This is mainstream right now. Rutgers University, this is academia. How about the media? Just as bad, just as bad. This is a typical case of a white woman, white womaning, right? So we see the disrespect, we see the privilege. White women have taken an active role in the maintenance of white supremacy. Why not the same media attention when people of color go missing? Well, the answer actually has a name. Missing white woman syndrome. The privilege of this guy during his uh, confirmation hearing, we saw white man rage on full display for everybody. All right, so that's just a little taste. And they're getting their cues, by the way, from the DNC, from Harvard University, from what some people call the, the cathedral. And everybody's falling for it, including corporate America, AT&T, the classic phone company. They've gone crazy woke as well. Take a look at some of the material uh, we're seeing out of this company. Uh, the recommended reading list again, this uh, White Fragility by Dr. D'Angelo, Robin D'Angelo. This is horrific stuff that AT&T is pushing internally. Also this, a 21-day racial equity habit-building challenge. AT&T, the phone company, has gone woke as well. And of course, we know this already, the military. I want to understand white rage, and I'm white, and I want to understand it. Disgusting, but in a way, he's following orders. He's taking the cues from the Biden administration. The president's, one of the president's core objectives is addressing racial injustice in this country, not just through his rhetoric, but through his actions. Racial injustice, uh, critical race theory, critical race theory basically says that America is rotten to its core. And they're doing it right now at this time. Why? Why now? Barack Obama had all that power for so long, he didn't go there. In fact, whenever he talked about race, he did it on his terms, and he did it in an ugly way sometimes. Words alone do me no justice. Um, so, Mr. President, if I'm going to keep it 100. Yo, Barry, you did it, my <laughs> did it. The N-word. The N-word is okay when the President of the United States uses it or hears it, if he wants to hear it. Very strange. Nobody can figure it out. Although, basically, I think I have. He was a radical in his heart. He wanted the power. He only tried to get so much accomplished because, well, he actually explains it right now to Bruce Springsteen. So if you ask me, theoretically, are reparations justified? The answer is yes. What I saw during my presidency was that the politics of white resistance and resentment, all that made the prospect of actually proposing any kind of coherent meaningful reparations program struck me as politically not only a non-starter, but potentially counterproductive. He's talking about white resistance and white resentment. He never would have become president without white people. Again, we thought it was a beautiful thing. We were fooled. He had a radical agenda in his heart but, you know, didn't feel quite comfortable pushing it. Now he does. Now he does. Why? Because there's an empty suit front man standing in for him. 
Joe Biden. All right. He's the guy not smart, compromised. He's willing to go along with anything. His son, he's got to protect his son. I think that's what's happening here. Funny that it was Joe Biden, the man who once uh, shamed a black man, called him not being black for potentially wanting to vote for Trump. This is weird stuff, everybody. And now he's on the world stage representing all of us. I was embarrassed when he met the Pope, the Holy Father. You would think this would be the one guy Joe might listen to. Instead, gas bag Joe. <laughs> Watch. You are the most significant warrior for peace I've ever met. Lei è il guerriero più forte per la pace che io abbia mai incontrato. And with your permission, I'd like to be able to give you a coin. E con il suo permesso vorrei offrire questa moneta. It has the U.S. seal on the front. I know my son would want me to give this to you because on the back of it, I have the state of Delaware. In the 261st unit my son served with. The tradition is, and I'm only kidding about this, if next time I see you, you don't have it, you have to buy the drinks. <laughs> I'm, I'm the only Irishman you've ever met who's never had a drink. <laughs> he thinks he's charming. Handing the Pope a coin with the shape of Delaware on it. Wow, I'm sure he was deeply, deeply moved. Things even got uh, weirder. He was a famous African-American baseball player in America. The press walked in the locker room and said his name was Satchel Page. The commanding said, said, Satch, no one's ever pitched a win at age 47. How do you feel about pitching a win on your birthday? And he looked at me and said, boys, that's not how I look at age. I'm sorry, what is it? Boys, Bo that's not how I look at age. Ragazzi, non si guarda l'età. I look at it this way. How old would you be if you didn't know how old you were? Quanto vecchio saresti se tu non sapessi quanto vecchio sei? You're 65, I'm 60. God bless you. You see that? The interpreter. Even the interpreter couldn't believe what was happening. So Joe does all the talking. And finally, uh, the Pope gets a break. Joe's alone. They ask Joe, so what happened? What really happened? I mean, after all, Joe, you're, you're, you're pro-choice. You're pro-abortion. The Pope isn't. Did that come up? And what about you and the communion? What about all that? No, it didn't. It came up and just talked about the fact that he was happy that was a good Catholic and keep the truth. Well, we know about Joe and the truth. Who knows what really happened behind closed doors? Seeing Joe with a pope, seeing the phony togetherness on Joe's part, somehow that togetherness, it was phony. And the division between Trump and the Pope seems somehow more genuine and in a way more holy. <laughs> Donald Trump actually had a feud with the Pope. Remember that? And somehow, as crazy as it sounds, this exchange, being that it was genuine, I think somehow was more truthful and more appealing than what we just saw out of Biden. He actually said that Maybe I'm not a good Christian or something. It's unbelievable, which is really not a nice thing to say. For a religious leader 
To question a person's faith is disgraceful. I'm proud to be a Christian, and as president, I will not allow Christianity to be consistently attacked and weakened, unlike what is happening now with our current president. Initially, he was actually having a spat with the Pope. That's when we were first getting to realize what a different type of candidate Donald Trump was. And somehow, you know what? I just... It worked, as opposed to what we saw in Rome today. I don't know. I'd rather take real disagreement over phony, whatever that was. All right, going back to Charlie Manson. I know it sounds crazy, uh, but Manson and the idea of a race war in America, that's what he wanted. Now Democrats are actually making it happen, it seems to me. Fortunately, though, it didn't work in 1969. And look at what happened to Charlie. He died in prison. The bad guys aren't going to win. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be wild. But they're not going to win. We'll be right back. Hey, I'm Rob Carson, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast. Tired of boring traditional news updates? How about one with a conservative point of view? And it's actually funny. You can subscribe for free on the Apple Podcast app, and it downloads directly to your smartphone, so you can listen while driving, uh, to work, riding a bike, at the gym, or even while lobster fishing off the East Coast. Subscribe today with the Apple Podcast app, or go to NewsmaxTV.com slash podcasts for other platforms. Something's coming. All I can can say... say is, is that, that the, the fake, fake news just, just doesn't, doesn't get, get it, do they? They The fake news is losing one of their favorites. Baby Adam Kinzinger, the Republican, Republican from Illinois, is leaving Congress. He's not yet 40 years old. I think he knows that he doesn't have much of a future in Congress. All of that foot playing, uh, footsie with the Democrats. They don't respect him. They don't like him any more than we do. So he's finished. I ever thought it was time to move on from Congress, I would. And that time is now. But let me be clear, my passion for this country has only grown. My desire to make a difference is bigger than it's ever been. Well, his ambition has always been very, very big since he was a child. Actually, when he was in college, he was already running and holding elective office. Take a look. Adam Kinzinger, all the way back in his sophomore year of college, was, I believe, uh, at the Illinois State University, one of the youngest county board members in McLean County history. He served on the McLean County Board from 1998 to 2003. So, uh, that's a that's a political young man. No problem with that. But often Adam would represent himself differently as if he was just moved by service. In 2009, I returned from Iraq and made a decision that ran in the face of all odds insanity. I would challenge an incumbent in a seemingly unwinnable race for Congress. At that time, I was spurred to run by my conviction of our role in the world. Um, and fulfilling a lifelong dream. A lot of humble bragging there. That's fine. Politicians, they're always ambitious. He's definitely one of them. But we know he is a great big phony. We'll never forget his performance at that January 6th commission. You know, you talk about the impact of that day. But you guys won. You guys helped. You know, democracies, 
are not defined by our bad days. We're defined by how we come back from bad days, how we take accountability for that. Is he ever going to be able to find a district or a state that's going to buy this routine? It's going to be hard. Good luck, baby Adam. All right. If you want to know what's driving so much of the left-wing media agenda, take a look at these websites. Actually, I don't really recommend that you do because they're so awful. I mean, really bad stuff. These are all left-leaning uh, sites. Jezebel. Here's a headline from this week. Joe Manchin belongs in hell. And they're not kidding. Eternal damnation hell, they say. Gawker, which has been rebooted. COVID Powell. Yeah, they called him COVID Powell. Dies. He's eating yellow cake in hell. Again, what the hell? Uh, Vice. Uh, it's a website. Trump is making America so god. Yep, they say it. Dumb. Just brutal stuff. But look at the names of these places. Jezebel. Jezebel, and they take pride in this, an impotent, shameless, and morally unrestrained woman. Let's jump down to Vice. It's, uh, this is kind of what they like, that they want to be known as not Vice as an alternative, but Vice as in moral depravity, corruption, a moral fault or failing. That's what turns them on. All right. So we generated a lot of attention and interest uh, for Barack Obama's comments on CBS Sunday morning about Bruce Springsteen and Clarence Clemens. Clarence Clemens, uh, Bruce's longtime saxophonist, the late Clarence Clemens. Barack Obama, in an interview with Bruce Springsteen, said the weirdest thing about Bruce Springsteen fans. He basically called them all racists, and Bruce agreed. In an ideal world, what Bruce and Clarence portrayed on stage was essentially a reconciliation, right? Yeah. And redemption. That's right. But most of your audiences were primarily white. And they can love Clarence when he's on stage, but if they ran into him in a bar, suddenly uh, oh, yeah. the N-word comes out. Yeah. The N-word comes out when Bruce Springsteen fans meet Clarence Clemens, the late. And yes, Barack Obama is correct, primarily white, primarily white. He said it as if it's a bad thing. But wow, that's not true. And I put this on social media and thousands upon thousands of Bruce Springsteen fans from all over the political uh, spectrum were like, what is Barack Obama saying? What is he thinking? Now, I got a few comments about you should actually read Clarence Clemens' book and Bruce Springsteen's book. And they'll tell you time and time again that they had to deal with the, the N-word. Um, it's not true, actually. I looked up the books. I looked at Clarence Clemens's book, and the N-word did come up. Clarence Clemens was called the N-word by Red Fox, the comedian, and Muhammad Ali. They used it as a term of affection, but um, that's where the N-word came up, not from the Jersey crowd, okay? And uh, I thought it was an awful, awful thing for Barack Obama to say. Next up, we will take a look at how the FBI treats suspects related to January 6th. We'll be right back. It's our America. We built it. Courage. Freedom. Millions go to Newsmax when they need to know. Start today on the free Newsmax app. Newsmax is real news for real people. January 6th, they want to make this, of course, the worst day in American history so they can tarnish Trump supporters, Donald Trump himself, 
and take any and all questions about the fairness of the 2020 election off the table. And it's totally legitimate to have concerns about the fairness of the 2020 election. They actually want to make that illegal. They really do. I saw this from Liz Cheney. It's been out there for a while, but it's it's actually quite dangerous. Liz Cheney, of course, a member of the House uh, from Wyoming, daughter of Vice President Dick Cheney. And here's what she's saying. Millions of Americans have been sold a fraud that the election was stolen. Republicans have a duty to tell the American people that this is not true. Perpetuating the big lie is an attack on the core of our constitutional republic. Wow, an attack on the core of our constitutional republic. And she says, it's a big lie. It's a big lie. Want to know what I said? Right back to her. Hey, Liz, it's not a lie and not an attack to voice our valid concerns about election fairness in 2020. It's America. We're allowed to do that. Uh, it was totally screwed, the election. Let's face it. Some people took advantage of COVID. That definitely happened. We have concerns about the fairness of the election. If she is so interested in uncovering lies, I believe she should talk to her father, the former vice president, about weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. All right. I think that's uh, I think she should do that. Also, the media, boy, oh boy, forget Afghanistan, forget Joe Biden not knowing where he is. It's all about January 6th. And I think they're warming up to something they want to curtail or somehow amend our constitutionally protected right to free speech. Listen to this borderline dangerous conversation on CNN. Those who continue to lie about our election processes and try to undermine the government. I mean, it used to be people would call that sedition or treason. And at some point, the Justice Department is going to start taking names. And there are some people who are going to be paying some big prices. Uh, the laws are the laws. And the Supreme Court would have to be bending a hell of a lot of them if, if, if they were to allow some of this behavior to continue. Mm -hmm. Carl Cameron, uh, Harry Dunn, I really appreciate both of your times tonight. Thank you so much. Wow, Anderson Cooper's okay with that, huh? I mean, the Justice Department is going to start taking names. Who's going to determine who's lying? Now, they're going to call me a liar because I have concerns about, say, Pennsylvania. Now, Pennsylvania is an open and shut case. In my opinion, votes were count counted and cast in violation of the Constitution of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. We want that adjudicated. We want that looked into. That's not a lie. And if we're wrong, so be it. It's a free country. What are they so afraid of? And saying that the Justice Department is going to take names. This is scary stuff, in my opinion. Very scary stuff. Don't be scared, though. They want us to be. I'll be right back with the person who might be taking Adam Kinzinger's seat in the House of Representatives. Information. Truth. Is freedom. Is Newsmax. It's real news for real people. If I ever thought it was time to move on from Congress, I would. And that time is now. But let me be clear. My passion for this country has only grown. My desire to make a difference is bigger than it's ever been. 
Okay, bye-bye, baby Adam. Adam Kinzinger is leaving Congress. I think he knows the political writing is on the wall. A very uphill fight uh, for him to stay in Congress. We are joined by somebody who may be uh, a new member of Congress come next year, uh, Catalina Lauf. She is a Republican Illinois congressional candidate. I know the district is somewhat up in, uh, up in the air right now, but first of all, Catalina Lauf, welcome to Newsmax. How are you? Thanks so much for having me, Greg. Great you to be on. Absolutely. You served, by the way, as an advisor in the Trump administration uh, in the Department of Commerce. You've got quite the resume. But what's your reaction to what Adam Kinzinger did? What do you think and why did he do it? You know, ultimately, for somebody who spoke a lot about leadership and being brave over the last few years and being in Congress, as Adam uh, spoke a lot about, you know, it's no surprise that he cowered at the first moment of challenge and adversity. You know, this is a guy that was always going to do what was going to be politically convenient for Adam. He did not care uh, about the constituency at all, just based on the way he acted, uh, not only during in Congress as a representative, the way he voted as well, but ultimately uh, his true colors sh uh, showed here very quickly. And ultimately, I'm surprised it took him this long to figure out that he had no base and the Democrats were always going to preserve uh, their own their own party. So goodbye, Adam. Uh, we raised nearly a million dollars to unseat him. And we're so humbled and, and grateful for all of the support, both here in Illinois and nationally, that we continue to receive here. Uh, and it, it, the fight is not over and we're not going anywhere. But I mean, in a way, have you already won by driving him from Congress? I mean, whether you go to Congress or not, and I hope you do, by the way, although I'm not allowed to necessarily say that, um, you know, in a way, mission accomplished, right? Yeah, ultimately, look, all Americans won when somebody like Adam is no longer representing them. This was somebody who was a mouthpiece for the Democrats for far too long. He was on CNN, MSNBC, just trashing uh, the people who elected him in the first place, trashing former President Trump. And look, we're at a time where we we cannot afford to continue on this radical progressive path that this Biden administration and Democrat members of Congress have us on. We're in not a good place as a country as a whole. And again, we don't have time for people like Adam, not only in our party, but also representing all Americans. It's time for us to stand firm, to put the power back to the people and the constituents and ultimately uh, move forward on a brighter future that frankly seems so far away now when you have things like inflation, uh, the economy not doing well, things like the border crisis, what happened in Afghanistan. What's going on currently is an abysmal failure and lack of leadership and, frankly, incompetence of uh, our, our current leaders now. And it's time for new faces and new perspectives and, and not career politicians to step up and, and uh, be a voice for people in their districts. You and know, I'm proud to be somebody like that. People don't realize or perhaps they forgot Kinzinger definitely is a career politician. He's been in elective office since uh, he was a sophomore in college. He was actually on this uh, county board which is an elective position, and uh, that, that shows a, a young man in a hurry. But uh, Catalina Lauf, here's what uh, did it for me, and it was actually very recent, about a week ago. He appeared in that HBO documentary, Four Hours, and I believe this is a flat-out false statement that he makes. Uh, let's go ahead and play that, please. For hours we were sitting there, the president didn't say a word. 
The president of the United States who runs the military, the commander in chief, if he says a word, things happen. To me, that was beyond the pale. The thing is, he's talking about January 6th and being in that room. And the president tweeted uh, three times and made this statement. He made a statement out loud calling for peace. During that period of time, he's talking about, I don't know if he doesn't think we know that or we're not going to find out or we're not going to bother to find out or it sounds good. He pushes the truth a lot, doesn't he? He absolutely does. And that is, frankly, just the M.O. of most career politicians on both sides of the aisle. They lie uh, whatever uh, to push their own agenda, to push whatever feeds their own ego. And frankly, it looks like Adam has a career as a paid actor more than a paid representative. So thankfully, taxpayers don't have to fund his salary now. You can leave it up to HBO or CNN and MSNBC, <laughs> considering not only those theatrics, but also, you know, the January 6th committee and just everything. Look, people on both sides of the aisle are so sick, again, of career politicians. These people are paid actors by taxpayers. And unfortunately, it's we the people who lose when you don't have authentic servant leaders there uh, who want to be a voice for people, who want to do what's right, who understand kitchen table issues, and ultimately want to make sure that we preserve the country that we live in today. Does this make your political career more complicated, though. I mean, it's an open seat now, and we're not exactly sure about redistricting. He's an unpopular incumbent. Now you're going to have other people, um, you know, state office holders, others uh, probably run. Does this make your life a little bit harder? You know, it's uh, I think it's it's always going to be a challenge no matter what. Uh, we've never underestimated anybody on either side of the aisle. Look, I was going up against uh, a Republican as a Republican that, frankly, the establishment was more than happy to defend and protect. We're so proud to have the support of the people. So we're, we're very confident going into uh, not only the end of this year, but ultimately up into the midterms. And if uh, Virginia is swaying in Republicans' favor, just given everything that's going on, you know, Illinois certainly has a fighting chance. And ultimately, uh, that's what's, you know, so not surprising, but uh, to Adam's point, it was, it was always about Adam. It was never about rising up to the occasion, no matter what uh, the circumstances were. So our campaign is so proud, uh, to, again, to, to rise up, to be here, to have the support yeah. of everyday Illinoisans, and we're not going anywhere. Uh, you mentioned Adam crying. We played it earlier in the show. Uh, quite frankly, I find it totally amusing. We're going to play it again. Adam Kinzinger on that January 6th committee. Definitely laying it on way too thick. Again. You know, you talk about the impact of that day. But you guys won. You guys held. You know, democracies are not defined by our bad days. We're defined by how we come back from bad days. How we take accountability for that. Um, he became a uh, national punchline after that moment. And I don't know if you know this, he's friends on Facebook and social media with some of the more controversial Capitol Hill cops like Officer Dunn. They're, uh, they're liking each other's pictures and all that kind of stuff on Facebook. Harry Dunn being the one who likened Donald Trump to uh, a mafia kingpin. Really, really ugly stuff. He's still on Capitol Hill. It's kind of strange. 
I guess we're all happy to see Adam go. What are you hearing? What is he going to do? Um, what, what, is he thinking about the Senate or something like that? I mean, he's, he's got ambition. We know that. Well, first and foremost, he has no shot at a Republican primary anywhere. Uh, had he continued on any congressional district, we would have followed him and still uh, taken his seat. So ultimately, I'm not sure what his plans are. Uh, there are some rumors he even wants to run for president. Uh, I am not privy to any of his uh, what his future holds there. But again, ultimately, this guy has no uh, future in Republican politics. Maybe he should be a staffer for the Lincoln Project, which, uh, frankly, is what he kind of was for a long time is what it seemed like. So uh, I'm not sure. I, I wish the best for him. Uh, I know he has a, a baby on the way with he and his wife, which is great. But ultimately, uh, in politics, I don't believe that he has any shot here moving forward, uh, at least in the next you know few cycles here. All right. Well, you certainly do, Catalina Lauf. If anybody wants more information, go to CatalinaForCongress.com. That's CatalinaForCongress.com. We appreciate it. Catalina Lauf, all the best. And thank you. Come back soon. Thank you. You bet. We'll be right back. significant warrior for peace I've ever met. Lei è il guerriero più forte per la pace che io abbia mai incontrato. And with your permission, I'd like to be able to give you a coin. E con il suo permesso vorrei ottenere questa moneta. It has the U.S. seal on the front. I know my son would want me to give this to you because on the back of it, I have the state of Delaware, the 261st unit my son served with. The tradition is, I'm only kidding about this, if next time I see you, you don't have it, you have to buy the drinks. I'm, I'm the only Irishman you've ever met who's never had a drink. <laughs> I'm sure the Pope will cherish that Delaware coin that has absolutely no monetary value. I, I, I was not impressed by this moment. Let's bring in our panel. We have Craig Shirley, presidential historian, and Mark Simone, iHeartRadio talk show host. Welcome to you both. Um, what do you all think of the, uh, Mark, first to you, the, uh, the Delaware coin uh, to the Pope? Yeah, that's his thing. Give money to everybody. Just keep giving money away. But uh, I, I really think it's getting close to where he, he should change his name to Meta. I, <laughs> this is one disaster after another. It was fascinating watching these two guys fight to stay awake, listening to each other. And the interpreter, you can see some eye rolling there. She can't believe what he's saying. <laughs> there is that moment. Uh, Craig, what does this mean historically, if anything? Nothing. It means nothing at all. This isn't serious policy discussion has went on between Ronald Reagan and Pope John Paul II. And I and I, there's some cleanup work that has to be done. You know, Joe Biden did slur millions of Irishmen with that crack about uh, not being the only Irishman to ever take a drink. So there's actually nothing meaningless. I, I really think he needs to, to, to move on to, to other things. Uh, the serious policy wasn't discussed at all. It was just it was just a photo uh, op that'll be forgotten in a matter of minutes. We know that he's a real gas bag. Uh, 
Hold on a second. Joe Biden is a, uh, you know, he likes to talk. I thought he would yes. listen to this guy, though, a little bit. He's the Holy Father. Maybe Joe could learn something, but no, it was, remember, here's what happened next. He's a famous African-American baseball player in America. The press walked from the locker room and said his name was Satchel Paige. The command excess said, Satch, no one's ever pitched a win at age 47. How do you feel about pitching a win on your birthday? And he looked at me and said, boys, that's not how I look at age. I'm sorry, what is Boys, it? that's not how I look at age. <laughs> I look at it this way. How old would you be if you didn't know how old you were? Quanto vecchio saresti se tu non sapessi quanto vecchio sei? You're 65, I'm 60. <laughs> these are all these silly little campaign tricks that he's been doing for years in Delaware, and they impress maybe in Wilmington, Mark. But I noticed also the Pope didn't really get to say anything, it seemed like. I think he was dumbfounded. I think again, I see the the interpreter and him. They're just eye rolling back and forth. I mean, it was Satchel Page. Next time he'll tell him about Joe Garagiola. I don't know what all this is about. Uh, He's the, never going to get a job as a stand-up comedian. That's for sure. <laughs> Usually the Pope looks kind of old, but he looked like Tom Brady next to Biden. That's the only good. Thing. <laughs> well, afterwards, Joe was on his own and. We had to hear from him what was said behind closed doors. According to Joe, he's uh, he's a good Catholic boy. Mr. President, did the issue of abortion come up at all? No, it didn't. It came up and just talked about the fact that he was happy that he was a good Catholic and keeping the truth. I I don't know if I believe him, Craig. No, I don't look. Uh, I don't believe him either. Uh, I, I, Joe has a tendency of to uh, exaggerate things anyway, uh, and I don't see. I'm not Catholic, but I understand the Catholic faith, and I don't see how you can be considered to be a good Catholic if you are pro-abortion, as he is, and pro-federal uh, funding for abortion, as he is. It's a problem. It is a dilemma. And uh, all right. Well, he's uh, he's still over in Europe. We'll see what mistake happens next. I would like to ask you, gentlemen, about uh, the race in Virginia between uh, Yunkin and McAuliffe. A new poll shows that uh, Yunkin might be really making some uh, progress here. I saw he's uh, several points up. But uh, these things, you know, are obviously, wait a second, that's Cedarelli and Murphy. Okay, we can start with New Jersey first. Uh, that's, uh, that's also said to be something of a toss-up, although I think Murphy is kind of in front. Mark, this is your neighborhood, the New Jersey race. What do you think? Does the Republican have a shot? Yeah, I think Chitterelli's going to win this. You know, when it's tied, these polls uh, tend to be rigged a little towards Democrats. Uh, the wrong metrics, uh, wrong, uh, they use uh, likely voters, and they use registered voters instead of likely voters. So if it's tied, I'd say Chitterelli has a three, four point lead right now and growing. How about that, Craig? Well, that, I, Mark is absolutely right. Media polls have tr historically tended to be overweight oversample uh, Democrats and undersample Republicans, and the election day uh, results prove it, that the results are a lot closer than the media polls show. One more stop here, Virginia. Now we can talk about McAuliffe versus Yunkin, all kinds of hijinks happening down there. McAuliffe obviously seems to be flailing and doing weird things and dancing. Mark, what's your sense of this race? 
Oh, I think McAuliffe loses this by five, six points. Uh, McAuliffe is in real trouble. Uh, he's brought uh, Kamala Harris is coming into campaign. That's a desperate move. They had these uh, four or five guys <laughs> trying to pose as uh, white supremacists. Uh, we don't know who sent them there. It looks like some kind of Democratic false flag operation. That's real desperation. He brought in Mark Elias. You only bring him in if you're going to challenge the results. So I think that tells you everything. Greg. I think, let me, um, Greg, is that uh, is McAuliffe made a, a critical mistake in the last two weeks. He brought in all these national Democrats like Barack Obama and others, and thus he nationalized the election, which meant he brought in Biden, of course. And Youngkin, to his credit, has kept it a local affair. Uh, and, and so, so it's, it's, and of course, the National Democrats aren't very popular right now, especially Joe Biden, who's a, uh, an anchor on everybody, every Democrat's chances. So I think Mark is right. Youngkin is probably going to win by uh, five, six points anyway. Uh, and uh, the, the day after the election, they're going to be uh, passing out, you know, uh, I don't know, cyanide over the White House or something. Okay. Well, hey, <laughs> uh, hey uh, finally. Governor Cuomo, former Governor Cuomo, uh, may have to turn himself into authorities in a couple of weeks. Now, I want to show the picture of him. Allegedly, this is the moment after he groped a young aide, and then they, he gropes her. He touches her breast, I believe. That's the allegation. And then after that, they go over and pose for a picture on the couch. Now, this looks like a very cozy picture, and uh, I don't see— um, I, I, quite frankly, it doesn't seem like she's under duress. I, I have my doubts about this story. There are a lot of reasons to not like Governor Cuomo. I don't know if this is one of them. I just, we've all seen Joe Biden mishandle women. I have not seen that of Governor Cuomo. Nevertheless, what's going to happen next, Mark? Very fair to quibble uh, this thing here, but he was a horrible governor. He was a horrible guy. He's got no friends, nobody defending him. Whatever it took to get him out, I will take it. It's like getting uh, Al Capone for income tax. Whatever it took, it was worth yes. it. That's funny. I've been defending him, but I agree. <laughs> the COVID stuff, I was calling for his resignation in Ouster about a year ago, and then he took $5 million in a book deal during COVID, which is totally insane. The book comes out during COVID. Craig, final thoughts. Uh, I think it's going to be a good day for Republicans and conservatives next Tuesday, and I think it's a, the beginning of the end of Bidenism and uh, big government socialism. Is that is that everybody's going to be the next day? Is that everybody's going to be uh, on the Republican bandwagon, searching for more freedom and, and less uh, government, less socialism? All right, Craig Shirley, many thanks. Mark Simone, many thanks.